to Psalms chapter 30, if you would. Uh, Don't forget that tomorrow we're going to have a powerful day starting off at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll be here till noon, amen, and then we'll have another powerful uh, sermon tomorrow night by our pastor, Pastor Paul, amen. We're so thankful that he's here with us and Emily, and uh, I'm looking forward to what God is going to speak into the hearts of those men tomorrow, amen. So please plan to be here tonight. Uh, I, I, today even I got some testimonies of some people who uh, I, I, I said Wednesday night, if you still haven't gotten off yet, go in tomorrow and tell your boss you went off with pay. Amen. I learned that from Pastor Jones. Amen. And so uh, I got some testimonies today of people who got off tomorrow miraculously. They took me out at my word and went and got their bosses to say yes. Amen. So they're here or they're going to be here tomorrow. Amen. That's faith. Faith in action. Amen. I, I, I want to start off in Psalms 30, but right before I get there, I want to read a verse that many have heard. And I believe that this sums up uh, what God is doing in our, in our lives and what he wants to continue to do. And there was a part in Acts 17, uh, just you don't have to go there, we're going to be in Psalms. But there was a part in Acts 17 where the Bible says that they were preaching the gospel. And, and they were stirring up the enemy. And they were stirring up the adversary. And they were, they were doing a work that was so powerful that it began to cause damage, amen, to the kingdoms of darkness. How many want to cause damage to the kingdoms of darkness tonight, Amen. Not just be saved, but cause damage to the kingdom of darkness. That's what we're called to be in Acts 17, 6. They said they were preaching, and it says there are those who have turned the world upside down, and they have come here too. And I just want to make a statement that there's some men and women here tonight that are turning the world upside down. Amen? How many believe that, that we're turning the world upside down? I just got three or four. I need to, I need to see if I got more than three or four that believe you're turning the world upside down. Amen? We are. We are because we're a force for the kingdom of God. Amen. We're we're obeying his word. I want to talk tonight in Psalms 30. If you are there, just give me an amen. Verse 1. And I want to preach something that's been on my heart for quite a while. And um, hopefully the Holy Spirit will help me get it out. That's always the challenge if if you've ever preached a message. Let's start in verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. That's what we just did. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Now, here's the verse many of you will recognize and know. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping, should underline that word, weeping, may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. How many are glad for that tonight? That's a promise from the Lord. I want to I preach tonight a title, a sermon called, I've never preached before, called Precious Tears. Precious tears if you're taking notes. And uh, let's just pray real quick. Father, anoint your word tonight. I pray that every person here would just be focused and, and their spirits would be open to receive tonight. I ask that your, your words would be in my mouth and they would come out the way you've placed it in my heart. And I pray that it would uh, reach us where we're at, challenge us and touch us. And, Lord, it would give us a, a challenge tonight in our spirits of where, where we need to be, Father, to see the revival that we want to see in our lives. And I ask 
these things in the powerful name of Jesus, Father. Amen. Amen. As we read this verse in Psalms, we see that weeping is part of God's nature and character in us. Uh, some people would say, I'm not a crier. Uh, I don't cry. I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't show emotions. But there, there will be a time in your life where you will show emotion. Amen. How many know situations can cause weeping? And there are many different kinds of situations that cause weeping. Uh, tragedy is one of them. Tragedy will cause weeping. Uh, someone in our church just lost an uncle today. Amen. That, that's, that's fresh. That's, uh, that's something that just happened today. And when we lose someone in our, in our family, a loved one, someone we care for, there's, there's, a, there's a, a tragedy that comes in suddenly to our lives. We lose someone that we have uh, uh, been friends with or family with, that we've loved, that we, that we are going to miss. And, and those tears begin to come. And sometimes they don't come immediately. Sometimes they come later at a moment when you begin to think about the memories that you had with that person. Some people don't weep over that person until they get to the funeral, which is why funerals exist, so that we can get to the funeral and, and weep over that person and mourn over that person. And some people don't weep until sometimes months or even years later. But there will come a time when you will weep over that, you will cry over that, you will mourn over that situation. And, and I want us to think tonight about precious tears. I, I began to think about the story of the Titanic. This is, I want to I just give us a picture tonight of, of, of the desperation that our world is in right now. Amen. How many know we have the answer for this desperate world? But we have to recognize and understand that this world is desperate, desperate for change. And I began to think of the word desperate, and I began to think about how, how people are when they get desperate. When people are desperate, they do desperate things. Sometimes people don't ever see a move of God in their lives because they've never been in a place of desperation. Sometimes we get in a place of desperation and we think, man, I don't really like this that much. But if you, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you begin to understand that that moment of desperation begins to cause you to understand that God has something better on the other side of that desperation. And, and, and the, 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 the tears that you can cry or the weeping that can happen or the, or the pain that you can go through is for a reason. And that's a powerful statement that says weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Thank God, church, that the sun will come out on our storms, amen, and things will get better, amen, if you're facing a situation tonight. It's, I always tell people the sun's got to come out sometime. Can't stay raining forever. And, and a lot of times when we're in the heat of a moment, we, we, we think it's, this is it. Well, guess what? On the night that the Titanic, that the Titanic sunk, it was, it was it. Those people, we know that 2,200 passengers were on that, on that ship, and 1,500 of them perished that night. But if you were to stop and begin to go and think about this moment of the Titanic sinking, we, it's a picture of, of our society today. It's a picture of life today. They are going through life. They're going through the motions. They're having fun. They're on a cruise. There's all kinds of different types of people from, from those who are at the bottom of the ship that could just barely afford to get on to those who are in a lavish room with lots of nice things. There was a gamut from the top to the bottom, just like a picture of the world today. 
and people were on that ship, and, and some people were, uh, if you ever saw the movie, they're down at the bottom, you know, in the poor area, or they're up in the place of banquet eating with, with nice dishes and all those things. But once the Titanic began to sink, all of a sudden desperation kicked in, And if you began to think about the people that were on that ship, as they began to realize, took them a while, but they began to realize the ship was going down and they were going to lose their lives, all of a sudden, listen closely, all of a sudden the things that were so important to people, those beautiful columns, those beautiful plates, those beautiful beds and those beautiful mirrors and and all the things of value on that ship had no value anymore. And the stories tell that as they were beginning to sink and as the ship was beginning to go down, that all of a sudden people were grasping for anything they could hold on to to save their lives. And sometimes it was a precious painting. Sometimes it was a column, some, a beautiful gold column, or it was a, a table that was beautiful that they ate on, and all of a sudden, those things of value had no value anymore in the monetary side, but they had a value of saving their lives, and they just grabbed onto it, and they didn't care if it was a precious painting, because if that precious painting didn't save them, they were going to die. And that's a picture of the world today, church. We have a people in this world that are getting to a place of desperation, and they don't care anymore about what the building looks like. They don't care anymore about what the song's being sung in the church. They don't care about if they said their favorite verse. What they're saying is, I'm desperate, and I need to hold on to something that's real. I've got to get a hold of something that's real in my life, or I'm going to sink. I'm going to die. And church, God is challenging us tonight to be that church that's real. How many want to be real? Amen. Pastor Dustin preached an awesome message last night on real people, real problems, and a real God. And we need to be the real church. Amen. And no, I didn't get this message from last night. I had it. Amen. That's just how the Holy Spirit works. But all of a sudden, what the world holds on to so deeply becomes worthless in a time of desperation. Things that we hold on to and think are so important. So I want want to uh, challenge us tonight to think about that. And I want us to go to the book of Joel, chapter 2. I've had this particular uh, phrase on my my spirit. And and I'll explain this picture in just a second if anybody has looked up there. Uh, I'll explain in a second. But... As we get to Joel chapter 2, I want to read some verses here and share with you what what I really believe is a true sign of revival. This isn't the only sign, but there there are signs of revival. And and I believe tonight that every one of us want to see revival. Not not just something that we say, well, that's revival, but it, it, it envelops us. It becomes what we're involved in. It becomes what we are. I believe that we're there. I believe we're, 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 if we're not already in it, we're on the edge of it. Amen. Can somebody say amen? How many believe that tonight? I believe that we're, we're entering into a time where we're going to see things we've never seen before. God wants to reveal himself in a way he's never revealed himself. You say, oh, I've seen some things. I've seen some things. But I believe there's something coming that's greater than anything we've ever seen. Amen? But there's a sign that happens when you begin to see this or the lack of it that causes us to understand that we're in revival. And I want to look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. I know that's a small book, so I'll give you just a little bit longer to make sure you can get there. Shout an amen if you're there. Now, therefore, 
says the Lord. How many love it when, and we know that the whole Bible is his word, but I just, when he says, says the Lord, it's like an emphasis. Turn to me. Turn to me. Not a 360. Not a 360, amen, not turning back to, he says, turn to me. Sometimes that's on the ground looking up. Sometimes that's turning around in a different direction, but God says, turn to me. This is key right here, turn to me. He says, with all your heart. That means repent, okay? I'm I'm, going to get to the the, the one sign in a second, but this is sign 1A. Repentance goes along with this. When a church is in a place of repentance, when a church is in a place where sin bothers them, when a, when a church is in a place where they're seeking the holiness of God and seeking sanctification and seeking to set themselves apart from the world, a revival begins to happen. But the problem is, is a lot of times people want somebody else to be that standard, and God says, I'm calling you to be the standard of holiness tonight. I'm not waiting for you to see if you want someone else to act that way or someone else to have that conviction. How many know when we begin to get convicted about something, we want to find someone to be convicted with us? Come on, somebody. Just like when we want to do some sin, we want to find somebody who will sin with us. Come on. We want to find somebody who will justify what we're doing and make it okay. Find some church that won't preach against what I want to do. Find some believer who will say, it's okay, it's not a big deal. We will go find someone to do that. The same thing happens the other way around. Sometimes God is convicting us of to, to do something, and no matter what it is, and we, we need to find a partner. We need to gotta find somebody to agree with this. God's not, con- let me tell you something, God's not convicting the person on your left or right. God's convicting me tonight. God's convicting you tonight, amen? We don't need to go find out if God's convicting somebody else. If he says to repent, I repent, amen? It's something I've got to do for my life because I want to see revival. I want to see God move in my life. And so I got I to gotta answer to God when he speaks to my heart. So he says, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. How many are thankful again for that 21-day fast we did in January? Amen. How many are thankful for, for Pastor and Emily just, just putting that in order and getting us that place? This is biblical. And we saw glimpses of what God can do when we seek him with all our hearts. Now, verse 13, I'm going to get through this quick because so, I could stop a lot. Rend your heart. And not your garments. Return, there's the word again, to your Lord, for he's gracious and merciful. And here we see a repeat of the verse we read earlier, slow to anger. How many are thankful for that tonight? And and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. He says, who knows if he will turn and relent? I, I, I just want to remind you tonight, church, we're not promised anything. We are honestly, totally, 100% in the hands of God. Thank God, thank him that he is a graceful God. He's a merciful God. Because here we see the Bible saying, who knows if he will turn and repent. All we can do is say, God, please forgive me. God, have mercy on me. Amen. At the end of the day, that's all we've got. And he's, he's asking this question, who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. See, a lot of people today want the blessings of God, but they don't want to repent for it. A lot of people want things from the Lord. They want God's hand on their lives, but they don't want to turn away from the things they're doing. God has so much more for us if we'll just give him what he asks. 
So he says, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Watch this. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Now, a lot of times when we do a fast, we read those verses. We might have even heard those during the 21-day fast. Those are, are known scriptures, but I want to get down a little further here. And it says, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride for her dressing room. And look at this, 17 is the key. Let the priests who minister to the Lord. See, we've got pastors in here tonight, and our churches will only be as strong as the conviction that we have as pastors tonight. Our churches will only go as far as we as, as leaders are willing to render our hearts and garments. And so the challenge is always for us first. And he says, he says uh, let the priest minister to the Lord. But watch this, here's the key. Who weep between the porch and the altar. Weep between the porch and the altar. That used to be an old-fashioned saying that was talked about a lot. You may have never heard it, but it was an old-fashioned saying. And they said, we've got to get back to weeping between the porch and the altar. Porch signifying in, in our lives, our, our regular lives, and the altar symbolizing that place God wants us to get to. How many know there's a distance between where we are and where God wants us to be? And the, in, the, in, the, in the middle ground there is weeping which means repentance, which means turning from the ways that we are and seeking God's face with everything we have. And he says, then I'll spare your people and I'll, and I'll, let the, and I'll, and I'll do great things. And they question, where is God? But I want you to see weeping between the porch and the altar because this is important. The brazen altar of God in the temple, in, in, in the temple of, of God, had four horns, one on each corner. And the weeping between the porch of the altar was where they would go in and they would, how many have ever heard the saying, maybe you've been saved long enough to hear the saying, we've got to get a hold of God. We've got to get a hold of God. Well, how do we get a hold of God? Get a hold of God in prayer. And, and I want to talk tonight about the, the importance, and some of, you, some of you might have shut me off at the very first beginning when I said precious tears or weeping because you might be that person that says, man, I don't, I don't cry, I'm not a crier, whatever. It's, it, I'm not talking about the emotional part. I'm talking about the spiritual part of what it symbolizes to weep in the presence of God. And so the, the brazen altar of God was, had those four horns, and, and the priests would go in, and they would grab a hold of that horn, and it basically seriously meant that they had to hold on to that thing and pray and cry out to God. Because you got to understand, back then, they didn't have the grace we have right now. They were carrying the ark, and it dropped, and they died. A lot of people say, oh, I'd love to live in the time of Moses. and all. No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. Amen. No, I wouldn't. I mean, the guy was doing the right thing, and it dropped, and he died. And so they were in some serious times of some serious trouble of a serious God. Now, he hasn't stopped being serious, but thank God we have his grace and mercy today. Amen. And so they would go to that horn. They would grab a hold of it, and, and, and they would be basically pleading for their lives and saying, God, have mercy on me. And, and that's mentioned in the Bible, in 1 Kings 1 and 2, you can read it later in your time, there's two times where a, a, a leader is in trouble with the king and they go to, and, and with God and they go to the, to the altar and they, they hold on to the horns 
and they're basically saying, God, spare me. King, spare me. And basically their lives are in that king's hand, and he decides, Solomon was one example, he decides whether that man's going to live or die. Amen. But the thing that gets him to that place where he can have God's touch on his life is weeping. Now, the picture that I have up there, and the reason I have that is, is I thought it was so amazing. We, 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 have to, we, we have to continue to contend for this place right here, the altar. And weeping is something that is a sign of revival. When we get alone with God and we seek God's face and we begin to hear his voice and that voice begins to speak to us and he begins to break us. How many know we need to be broken? We need to be broken. Maybe I can't speak for you. Maybe you don't need to be broken. I need to be broken in God's presence so he can get me to the place he wants to be. And, and, and I've been praying for this, this message for several weeks and maybe months that this, this weeping between the porch and the altar has been on my heart. And, and last night after the service, I was standing here, and everybody was kind of tripping out because everybody was getting dismissed, but like five or six people were leaning over and staring at this step. And everybody was like trying to find out what was going on, and we were taking a picture of these tears. Those are real tears from this altar last night. I don't know whose tears they are, but, but God does. And that picture right there is precious tears. Precious tears. Because when God begins to move, something begins to happen, not on the outside, but something begins to happen on the inside. And then it manifests on the outside. And we need to get back to a place as a church and a body and a believers that know how to get a hold of God. Can somebody say amen? We need to know how to get a hold of God. And we need to know how to get to the altar. And we need to know how to say, God, I'm not going to get up from this altar until I get my answer. I'm not going to get up from this altar until I'm changed. I'm not going to get up from this altar until you heal me. I'm not going to get up from this altar until you save my family. I'm not going to get up from this altar and, I, and, and stop praying until, you, until I see your hand upon my life the way I know that you want your hand to be upon my life. I'm not going to get up from this altar and I'm going to cry until I have no more tears left, until I see a sweep of revival come through my city and come through my family and come through my neighborhood. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay weeping between the porch and the altar. It's not, it's not the education we have tonight. It's not the songs, although that, 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 that song they sang right there, everybody knows in, in this church, I love that song. I didn't ask them to sing it, but I'm thankful they did before I came to preach. So you have songs that you like, but it's not about the song. Again, it's not about a beautiful building. It's about getting alone with God and understanding if I don't have him, I have nothing. If I, if I, can't, if I can't get a hold of that, of that horn and say, God, have mercy on my family, have mercy on my church, have mercy on this nation. See, we need more people to get back to that. And again, thank God for that fast we did at the beginning of the year. We're going in the right direction. I was raised when I was young, growing up in, in church, and remember the, the, the wailing, the crying out to God, the prayer meetings where people would stay just praying and praying and praying, and I, I, we got to get back to that. Amen. 
Everything that we're doing is, every, is good. Everything that we're, that we're working, all the evangel, everything's good. But the weeping between the porch and the altar is what's going to change this world. Right? Why? Because it changes us first. I, I, I preached a couple weeks ago that we cannot go out, and it might have been Sunday, we cannot go out and give what we don't have. And, and I gave the church the example of, of going up to somebody and putting your hand out and saying, hey, take this. I want to give this to you. And your hand's empty. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. What do you mean take? What do you want me to take? There's nothing there. And a lot of times as Christians, we're out evangelizing. That's great. We're out reaching. We're out going. We're out doing. But a lot of times we're, we're putting our hands out and there's nothing there to grab. Can't give something we don't have. We haven't, we haven't been to the altar. We haven't gone and gotten on our faces before God. Now, it's not just in this church. It's not just at this place. This is the place here in the church. But we need to have an altar at the house. We need to have an altar in the car. We need to have an altar at the workplace. We need to have a place where we can weep before God and get alone with him and cry out to him and say, God, I, 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 want, I want those precious tears to come out of my eyes. Let me give you a, a, a truth tonight. We've got to take hold of God. Many years ago, there was a, a man, how many have heard of the Azusa Street Revival? It's, it was about 100 years old now. It's an amazing move of God. And I'm just going to say this, although every time, and I've said this for a lot of years I've been saved, every time I talk about past revivals, I get a little frustrated because I don't want to talk about past revivals. I want to talk about this revival. Is anybody ready to talk about the revival we're in instead of the revival from 100 years ago? That's what we're contending for tonight. That's what me, me and you and us have to contend for is now, revival now, so that they can start telling some stories about us. But this is a good example. This man in Azusa Street gets revival, gets saved, and they, they said that there was signs and wonders and miracles and just amazing things that happened, and, 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 this, and, and people were just getting saved, as Pastor Jones would say, wholesale. They were just coming in like crazy, and people were just falling before God and getting saved, and all this greatness was happening. This one man gets saved, and they interview him. They said, they said what is it that got you to accept Jesus? What is it that grabbed you and showed you you needed the Lord? And they began to say, was it that miracle? Was it, that, was it the Shekinah glory of God? What, what was it? Was it the healings? Was it the demons getting cast? And they just ask him all these questions. And this man says, no, what saved me and got a hold of me was when I was standing at the altar and I saw all the tears. All the tears. And he said, those people have got to be changing because they're, they're crying all over the altar. He said, the tears got me. But we haven't thought about that. Because, listen, when we're crying or weeping, something's happening. Something's happening. An emotion is taking place in our lives. This, this isn't a touchy-feely message. This is, this, is the, this is truth. When we come to a place of weeping, something's happening. Now, going back to the beginning, it could be tragedy. It could be emotion. It could be happiness. It could be joy. There's a lot of different things that that can symbolize. But when you begin to study the word of God, the word weeping is in the Bible a lot. And, and God sees the, the tears of his people. And, and we need to understand that, that revival is going to come to us when we really begin to see the, 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 the people back contending at the altar back saying, God, I, I cannot go out and change the world until you change me. Amen?
the place between the, the, por- the porch and the altar. I want to go, if you would, just quickly to John chapter 11. And we're going to begin to begin to close tonight. John chapter 11. Many of you know this, and you would shout it out if I asked, but the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Sometimes you can talk about something like that, and listen, I know how people think. I know how people think. I love to think like people think. But some of you people say, man, what's he talking about crying? It's all this crying stuff. I ain't no crybaby. I'm not going to cry. When God begins to do something, see, I used to think I was tough. I used to think I was tough. I was an athlete, and I, I thought I was tough. And then God began to get a hold of me, and I began to, I turned into a crybaby. And I, and, I got, and I got to where things moved me. Loss moved me. People hurting moved me. Seeing somebody, hearing somebody that died and passed into eternity, and they're not sure if they're in heaven, move, should move you. It should move us. And, and, and I got to that place where I, I, sometimes I, God would begin to move on me in prayer, and I would weep. I would, weep is just another word for crying. And I would, I would just cry and, and be praying. And, and, and sometimes I would get to a place where I'd say, God, stop that. Turn that faucet off. I mean, I was being serious. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to feel this, this compassion for people anymore. Can you, can, almost like Jesus said, can you take this cup from me? Can you take this, this compassion from me? And right when I would say that, and I've said it many times over the years, I would stop myself and say, no, God, please don't take that. Please don't take that because that's a, proof, that's a proof in my life that you're still there, that you're still living inside of me, that you're still moving inside of me. I said, God, I turned it all the way around. I said, God, please don't ever let me get to the place where I no longer weep for people and I no longer care about people and I'm no longer moved by the hurts of other people. Amen. We can't get to that place. And so we see in John chapter 11, we see this verse Jesus wept, but before that in this story, this is the story of Lazarus being, being rose from the dead. We're going to pick up in verse 31. And it says, the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. And Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. And she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus, watch this, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, see, there's, here's what we got to get right here. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. When was the last time you and I were groaned and troubled in the spirit? Where we, 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 we had to stop and, and, and get away from other, other things and, and, and say, God, I, 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 can, I can fix this with you. There's something moving you so greatly that you have to stop. That you have to, you have to.
push the, the noise aside, push the troubles aside. This is, this is our king, our Lord, and our Savior right here who is in human flesh, and, and he's strong. Jesus is strong. But when he sees Mary weeping, and when he sees the other people, see, you can be strong, but you have to be willing to be able to mourn with other people. And you have to be able to, to understand other people's feelings. And, and you might not be a crier. You might not be someone who's moved by emotion. But you have to, as a child of God, if we are Christians, that means we are Christ-like. And we're seeing here that Jesus was moved into, by her weeping, and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So listen, if Jesus groaned in the spirit and was troubled, I want to groan in the spirit and, tr- and be troubled. Now, I'm not, don't, please don't start groaning right now. Amen. There's a time and a place for everything. That, there's order, thank God. Thank God. But I want to be like Jesus. And then it goes on to say, therefore, sorry, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Now, I want, I want you to hear, hear something in the spirit right now. This is very important. Why is weeping and seeking the, tr- the, the presence of God and getting to the throne and the altar so important? Because when we do that, it moves God. How many want to move God on your behalf? We, we want the revival. We want the change. We want to, the, the miracles. We want all those things. But we don't want to do what's necessary to move God. And when, when Jesus was moved here by their weeping and by their crying and by their mourning, it caused him to do something about the situation. So when we get to the altar and we, we, we get to the, to the place of, of, of seeking God, to that place where our spirit has, has gone beyond uh, our flesh, it begins to move God. And God begins to say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to do something now. They're serious. How many are still here? They're serious. This, so he gets moved by their weeping, and, and all of a sudden he says, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. Then we see verse 35, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, watch this, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind and also have also kept this man from dying? Now watch this, 38 says, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. And the stone that was laid against it, and we know the rest of the story, took the stone away. Lazarus came out and he was resurrected. A lot of times we talk about the miracle. We talk about Lazarus coming out of the grave. We talk about the end result, but we don't focus on how results come. If we want results, we have to do what they did. And God is saying to us, I've got all the revival you want. I've got all the favor you want. I've got all the blessings. I've got all the provision. I've got everything you want. I got it. But you got to meet me at the altar. I'm not going to take it to the porch. You got to meet me at the altar. The weeping, the 
between the porch and the altar. There's the difference in, in who and where and when we see revival. And, and, and some of you will know these verses, but there, there's some verses in the Bible that are, and I'm closing right here, that are so powerful, that, that make this so serious, that God takes this so serious. And, and many, many of you know this, pastors, you'll know this, but some haven't heard these. Psalm 58, 56 verse 8, verse 8 says that God keeps track of all of our sorrows. He keeps track of it. He keeps a record. And then it says, you have collected all my tears in a bottle. So if he says he collects our tears in a bottle, it might be important to have some tears for, to collect. Right? If there's, a, if, there's a, if there's a place where that should go, then I need, to, I need to give to that. And that's in mourning. That's in weeping. That's in praying. That's in seeking his face. And he says, you have recorded each one in your book. Now, how many like promises? The promise of God is, I want to move. I will move. It is my desire to move. God wants a revival more than we do. He's just waiting on us. And, 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 and the, 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 the porch a lot of times is, is the, the, the planning and the porch is, is, is the everyday and the porch is the structure and the porch is, is, is getting the things done we have to do and, and those things can never be avoided. But the revival comes when we get the stuff from the porch and we take it to the altar and we say, okay, God, here's my plans. Here's the things you've put on my heart. Here's what we're going to do for Easter. Here's what we're going to do this summer. Here's the, here's the outreach we're going to go on. Here's all this. But I can't. none of this will happen if I don't go to the altar. As church, as church people here tonight, from, from all over our fellowship and here in this church here, we have to understand that we cannot see the move of God outside until we see the move of God inside. And it starts at the altar. I'll, I'll never forget, I was saved under an evangelist. I talked to him on the phone today. I wanted to call him. I just wanted to get his, his thoughts, the man who led me to the Lord on this. And, and he reminded me when I got saved, and he spoke things over my life 25 years ago, and he told me, I began to, to watch his life and admire him. I still admire him to this day. I, how many know you got to be thankful for the person who took you to the feet of Jesus? If you're not thankful for that person, you wouldn't be saved. So I admire this man, and I honor what God did in his life to, to bring Jesus to me. And, and, I, and I began to see how God used him in miracles and in signs and in wonders. And he, he had a power of God on his life. And I would always ask him, how do you... How do you, what do you got to do for that? He always told me, you have to pay a price. Now that just, that just cut off a whole bunch of people because we don't want to pay a price. It cut me off. So that's not the answer I was looking for. And I was waiting for something I could do easy. He says, if you want to see a move of God in your life, it'll cost you something. And that's not the sacrifice of to be saved. Or, and that's not it. The anointing. The anointing comes from weeping at the altar. And, and I believe tonight in this place there is desire. Desire overflows. I want, I want, I want. I, God can use me. God will use me. God, there's a desire. Desire is awesome. But the desire will never happen 
if we don't get to the altar and weep in his presence and seek his face and say, God, I, as, as those priests holding on to the horns would say, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. If you don't have mercy on me, I'm dead. If you don't show up, how many pastors tonight can, can understand what I'm saying? You, we, we, when we first get saved, a lot of times we're like, hey, you know, let me get this three-point sermon together and let me make sure I say the good words and maybe let me, and let me make sure I know that I sound like I know what I'm doing. And the more you get saved and the more you walk with God, the more you get up and say, God, okay, I've prepared. But if you don't meet me at that altar, if you don't meet me at that pulpit, I'm not going. Amen? Come on, somebody. I need you to show up. Because this world does not need another program. Revival's not going to come from a beautiful looking church. Revival's not going to come from a great praise team or great speaking or any of that. Revival's going to come from the weeping between the porch and the altar. Amen. That's where it's going to come from. In Psalms 126. As you're bowing your heads and closing your eyes, please, I'm going to read this verse to you. Here's the promise. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he goes on in the next verse to say, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing in his sheaves, or in other words, blessings with him. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight, as, as, a, as a church here tonight, as a body unified tonight together, church, God has a promise. He who sows in tears will reap in joy. All I'm asking tonight, for me and for you and for us is just to it's just to say God I'm here I'm willing I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to get a hold of the altar and I'm going to let you change me some of you say what do you mean change me I'm saved already change me change me God mold me God convict me God challenge me God cause me to believe in the things that that I cannot do in my own power, that you're able to show up and do above and beyond and exceedingly greater than I could ever ask or think. God, give me a, a compassion for people. Give me a heart that's tender, that cares, doesn't get too busy to stop and pray for the lost and pray for the hurting and, and be moved by the hurts of other people and know that there's a powerful, powerful uh, anointing uh, waiting to be upon us. But we got to get to the altar. Pay that price in, in your presence. If Jesus wept, I want to weep, Father. How many tonight all over this place are here and you're not saved? Maybe you came in tonight with a, your church or somebody invited you and they've been praying for you to come they've been praying for for you to get saved for a long time and you don't know it but God had a divine appointment for you tonight he brought you here to touch your heart and you're here tonight and 
If you passed into eternity tonight, you don't know where you'd spend it. But you want to know tonight, the Bible says Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And all you got to do is hold on to him, grab on to him, say, God, save me. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, pray for me tonight. I want, I want to be saved. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to, I want to know that he's died on the cross for my sins. That's me. Just put your hand up all over this place. Amen. I have to believe tonight that you're right with God. That's between you and him. I don't know your heart. But tonight, now the, now the challenge just for us as a, as a fellowship in a church tonight is, is, is to weep between the porch and the altar. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to just come up here and start crying. That's not the idea. It's, it's letting God get a hold of you on the inside. On the inside and, and saying, Lord, break me. I want to be broken in your presence tonight. If, there, if there's pride in my life, if there's selfishness in my life, if there's anger in my life, if there's anything that's keeping me from having the anointing of God upon my life that will, that will break the yokes of bondage off of people's lives, I want to leave it at the altar tonight. I want to lay it at your feet. I want to get to that place where I understand I've got to have a prayer life. Not just a prayer time, but a prayer life. I've got to learn how to, how to speak to you and talk to you where you, we have a com communication and, and there's an open line because there is an open line tonight. And he says, those, those tears that you, that you shed, I collect them. I collect them and I remember them.